Welcome to today's episode of Veteran Voice. In this podcast, we help a service member and veteran tackle their transitional challenges with one topic and one episode at a time. My name is Gary. And I'm Jose. We are the co-hosts of Veterans Voice NYC. Joining us today, he is an Army veteran served from year 2013 to 2019 as a wheel vehicle mechanic. He is here today to share his experience story on continuation of service. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Trey. How's it going, everybody? I'm glad to be here. Share my experience with everybody. Wonderful. Nice to have you. Nice to have you. Jose, lead us to the topic for today. We are here to discuss the career options we make during our transitional phases. On this episode, we are going to follow a timeline on Trey's journey and him giving back to his local community. Sweet. Now, Jose, seeing you and Trey are more intimate, I'll let you start with a question. (laughs) Yeah, we're battle buddies. All right, so going into our episode, what made you want to exit the army so you you have a good amount of service years there what made you was like you know what i'm done i gotta get out yeah you did six years you know when i first enrolled enlisted and everything out of high school i wanted to serve my country and kind of get away and travel and see places. and the army kind of always stood out for me they had kind of the career opportunities i wanted to and i wanted to to be able to do things and and work on things the air force kind of always scared me away because i never wanted to be a plane because you always kind of hear stuff going on it always happens with planes and helicopters i was like i'm gonna stay my feet on the ground so i got in i went and i learned and then just kind of the army stuck with me i always kind of liked that camaraderie and everything that i was able to give back to me okay so you did this for six years and right after that you just decided to want to rejoin the civilian world after that now what made you change your mind to leave yeah so i've always kind of liked the military structure and the military has always taught me things. And I wanted to kind of get back home. I've always been a hometown kid. I'm from Iowa. I'm from the Midwest. You know, I really don't get to see very many things. And the military gave me that. But I felt like it was time to kind of go back home to my roots and my family. Because all my family kind of lives within a 30-mile radius of me. And, and I and I missed that. So then I got back and started going to school again and using all my benefits I had available to me. And I landed a pretty sweet, pretty sweet civilian career. And then I just kind of started missing it again, seeing all the opportunities of the guard around me. And, and I kind of just jumped on it. And then everything just transferred right over. And I was able to continue my service and everything. And, you know, try to do my 20 years and get the benefits. You're the first person this podcast coming from the Midwest and returning home back to the Midwest. Because many are veterans, they're coming from the Midwest or the South. And then they return or leave, entering to a new city when they separate either for the BH or whatever better opportunity. So it's pretty cool that you're you're the first person in this podcast. Following up with that, so you, you left the Army and you decided to use your GI Bill. What degree did you accomplish and pursue? And then from there, what employment field did you step into that was giving you all the checks in the box? Like you were like, this is this is me. This is what I wanted. So kind of touch on all those subjects. Growing up, living in small Midwest Iowa, I kind of grew up on a farm. Both my grandpa, both my grandpa and my dad are mechanics. So pretty much every day on a, after school or on a Saturday and Sunday, I was working in the garage and stuff, working on things, tinkering with things. And so I kind of want to follow in their footsteps. And that's when I joined the army, they were kind of the only one that had a specific clear cut and driver mechanic position. So I went there and I ran with that. But through high school, I started kind of dabbling in in the first responder world, they had kind of like a, what do you want to call it? Like a, like a step into program where you can do like a, a student volunteering program. 
and on the fire department, which I did that and I kind of loved it. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go do my military service and see where life takes me. And I went and did that and I came back and the fire department was kind of calling my name. So I came back to my home city and I went to school and actually kind of turned out <clears throat> very well that my uncle, who was a first sergeant in the reserve unit, um, actually was a military career and guidance um, uh, counselor. Yeah, uh, yeah, got counselor for, for the school, for the community college there. And we kind of talked and stuff and he got hooked up. And I went and got my associate's degree in fire science. And then I went and got my paramedic degree. So then I kind of became certified and all that. I applied at some places around the area. And I was very, very fortunate to get hired in the home city I grew up in. And so probably for about the last year now, I've been working as a firefighter paramedic and then um, continuing my service in the Air Force. I joined an organization that's kind of very close to the fire department. I mean, very close to the military. You know, we have the, the command structure we follow. They have privates, you have lieutenants, you have captains, all the way up mm -hmm. to you know, your assistant chiefs to your chiefs. And I just kind of being in there and then the, the camaraderie between the guys in the fire department is pretty much the same as being in the barracks. Um, we give each other shit, you know, and yeah. it's, you know, not, everything's free game. You know, you can't sit at a dinner table without getting crap. And I just, I missed that. And I saw a great opportunity right there. And I uh, kind of just went for it. But you didn't stop there, though. You went beyond, right? You end up reenlisting, but into the Air Force after that. That's correct. You know, I kind of, I kind of looked at all the options I had available and, and kind of where I live. There's a very, very good Air Force unit there. And I, you know, kind of have a lot of friends and a lot of family members and stuff that have uh, that mm -hmm. served there, and which kind of, kind of really was the right fit for me. I I assume that you have a positive experience on your tenure with the army, and that didn't tarnish your imagination. Hey, maybe Air Force could be even better. Like in terms of, there's not going to be any kind of toxic leadership like the army does. Yeah, you know, you always kind of hear the grass is greener on the other side. Everyone jokes around. Everyone cites the chair force, and it's. It's this and it's that, and you know, you're just going to get all these mm -hmm. benefits and stuff. And yeah, you always have those toxic leaderships, and you have, you know, you kind of get the shit in and the stick because, like, me and Jose were kind of talking about this the other day. You're always, you're a rifleman first, you always shoot first, and then it's your MOS. And sometimes they take advantage of you on that. And then in the Air Force, it's a little different. I'm going to elaborate with that because it's the same thing as a prior service Marine checking into my unit. I think I did my real MOS my first year, maybe like 10 minutes. And then I got PCA to another shop because another Marine got arrested and went to the brig. So I had to replace him. Mm. And then from there, I had to learn another MOS because me being the boot in the shop, they got inspected for hazardous waste and coordination program. And theirs was like pretty bad. So I got yelled at by a gunny and all of a sudden now I became the POC for that. And it was my fault. So that's it. It's pretty much what he's trying to say. And it happens on yeah. the Marine Corps, happens in the Navy, happens in the Army. And the Air Force is just extremely more educational. <laughs> Whatever they throw you at, they are not going to throw you into it without sending you to school. And they don't want you to touch nothing unless they've already trained you on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, uh, one joke I made with Jose is back then when I was in, in Pensacola, Navy and Marine trained together on the same MOS. And I asked the Marine, hey, would you guys ever course branch? And all of them would say, hell no, no, we're Marines for life, <laughs> Marines for life. And then I looked at Jose, so what makes you do that, man? Are you no longer Marine? Like, are you less of a Marine now? And would you respond, Jose? Once a Marine, always a Marine. Right, but you, you say to me, yeah, we're the smart one. 
that's pretty much it, man. The ones that, that go a little further in education, you just like you start learning things. And in my mind, like I, I did the paperwork and I started the process for the Air Force probably 2013. And like I got the door shut in my face a couple of times. You know, Obama did the downsizing that made it worse. So prior service had like think each state was only allowed to admit like maybe 20. And then I ended up moving from the West Coast to the East Coast. I didn't really worry about it anymore because I thought the door was completely shut. I got my degree, went back to school. And finally, I met another Army vet. And she was like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm in the Joint Task Force. And these are just Air and Army National Guard personnel guarding Manhattan. She was like, my, my supervisor is a recruiter for the Air Force. And I was like, hmm, you don't say. And we chit-chat. I got his number. And we talked for about like two years. And after waiver, after waiver, the Air Force decided to let me in. I was like, yo, that's great. That was dope. Was that, was that easy for you, Trey? Is that summer process? Was it pretty easy to get into the Air Force National Guard? No, it really wasn't easy. Like Jose kind of said, I mean, Jose's seen a lot more, done a lot more than I have. And it's taken a toll on him. Um, but it, it was hard. You know, they jump through all these hoops and they have to look at things. And then they don't, you don't get looked at different. You know, like if just a regular Joe kind of walked off the street, said, hey, I want to sign up for the Marines. I want to sign up for the Air Force. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Well, Marine takes stuff. everybody. Oh, you know, Marine takes anyone. That that's true. I, I, I have met a lot of them. And, <laughs> but it, it is hard for someone that's been in to to get back in, even if there's no gap in service. Like I had no gap, like I said, this and I went. It's mm. It's hard. And I don't know why that is. You know, you think you would want someone that has experience that's been there, been done that that has that drive. And, and I think me and Jose kind of see it right now going through school. There's, there's a different between someone fresh out of boot camp compared mm. to someone that's seen there and done that. And I don't know, they would rather have that new fresh, fresh buzzed head cut. <laughs> yeah. Everything's made more, more lax, more easy. Cause you know what it is. You get to mold the brand new high school student that doesn't know his left from his right. And it's just like, do as I say, do as you're told, and you'll be a perfect airman. And once you're already seasoned pretty well all the way around, it's like, oh, you got to get this signed off. You got to have an interview. You got to talk to the commander over here. So it's like you have to have so much more weight and value in you individually for them to want to accept you. Like they're very picky. Does your colleague in the Air Force, do they look at you guys prior to service differently? Yeah, we do get talked to very differently because we, we've earned our stripes. We don't march with in the class or report in with the class like as they do because they're still learning. They don't really know what uniformations are and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, everything else the students do when it comes to organizing, cleaning classrooms or projects, we all do the same work. The only difference is they're still on the yes, sir, no, sir. And we are talking to another NCO and it's regular conversation. Yeah, I kind of agree on with Jose on that. It's it's like kind of like another battle buddy. And then we still do all the kind of the cleaning and the day-to-day -day operations and everything in the same projects. And then we kind of just kind of go about do our own thing. And then like even after class and stuff, we're not allowed to uh, really associate with them or talk to them. It's just kind of we go do our class and then it's like go home. Okay. How is the leadership in terms of the Air Force now that you guys are on a different side of the grass now? Is it making more sense than Army or the Marine in the, compared to the past? 
Oh yeah, I think I think it makes one hundred percent more sense. Um, <laughs> like Jose kind of said earlier, it's all about education, and they're uh, they're going to give you the tools and the books and the uh, and the tips and the instructions on how to do it, and they're going to make you the best person they can. Yep, and to add to the the oddness of it, and it's it's funny because we laugh within each other. Our prior service background, when we see things naturally in us, is like, oh, this kid needs to get smoked, and you know, it's more of a okay. Let me pull the student in my office. They get a one-on-one kind of counseling that nobody else knows nothing. There's no yelling. There's no screaming. Nothing's thrown. And you're just like, what? Why not? <laughs> I went through that. I used to go through that. But you think about it, your mind, your mental health plays a huge role. And, and the more calm you have an individual and you're working with them and you're training them, if they're able to comprehend what they did wrong in a more relaxed setting, they're learning a lot faster because they know that they messed up rather than you getting screamed at and developing years later on PTSD from that. And now you got to fight your battles with the VA proving that you're afraid of people screaming. Going back to Trey on, you say many of your friend, friends and family lives around you in the area. Any of them follow the same path as you? No one really in my intermediate family has served. Mm-hmm. My little brother actually kind of just got into it probably about three years ago. He joined the Air Guard too. So that's kind of was the first he followed into me. I do have a cousin that was in the Guard also for mm-hmm. the Army. And he was a helicopter mechanic. And But otherwise, not really. What about your friend back in basic? I still actually talk to quite a few of them. You know, and they, that's that's something about the service. I, I was a small town Iowa kid. You know, the town I grew up in was... Really, even 300 people doesn't have a stoplight in the town. I think I had more friends mm-hmm. as cows than I did as people. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I went out and about. I went to uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And holy shit, man. I, I really, it really opened my eyes. And I met a lot of people just different, oh. different, not, not even like different cultures, but just how different people acted. And back then I'd look like, why the fuck are you doing that? But then I'd look at other people and, um, <laughs> you know, make friends with them. You know, I, I still talk to this guy from deep, deep Alabama, and you know, I know exactly. I know exactly when he calls me because has that thick accent. I just sit there and I laugh at his accent every single time. But that's just that come on out of and the reason I mentioned that because in when I was in the Navy, and I find the commonality that people who join the service coming from East Coast, West Coast, or the big city tend to usually separate and not make it into a career. And many folks that are coming from the Midwest parts of America. They usually make it into a career. So I, I, I would just think about why is that? Or maybe they seen this one of the best things they can get in life. So they just want to make it to a long-term career. Or maybe the city folks or the West Coast, East Coast folks, maybe they uh, want more. So therefore, they decide to leave instead of making a career. And obviously, you separated six years after the Army and then serving in the fire department and all now rejoining for the Air Force, I'm just curious that like, what kind of mentality is, is that play a part of it? Yeah, so I, I can kind of touch on that a little bit. I, I can't touch on the East Coast, the West Coast right. thing, because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've traveled out there and stuff. I mean, I've been in the big cities, you know, traveled around the United States. The Midwest is just different, man. For for people that haven't been to the Midwest, I really recommend going. You know, it's more than just cornfields and open roads and, and dirt roads and all that. And Hooters. You know, and- and, and Hooters, yeah, and Hooters. It's a, it's definitely really a home mentality. You know, every place has its bad groups and its bad apples, but it's really like home. Where I grew up, where I grew up and everything, you know, living on a dirt road, you know, living on the farm and doing things, it really taught me to be the man I am. You know, I didn't come home from school and, 
and play video games or do things. You know, I tried to get on the computer, but my mom would always want to be on the phone. So I had to get up off the dial up internet. All right. You know, and all that stuff. And so I, I would go outside and I would play things in the yard. Grew up on a small farm, probably about 250 acres. And my grandma and grandpa grew up right next door to me. And there's always something going on. So like I would go out and I would, I would try to learn valuable life skills from my dad and my grandpa, which are the two most people I look up to every single day. But like, I just did hard labor. Like as I got older, I came home drunk. Okay, scoop uh, chicken shit or go scoop the hog barn. And it really, it really shaped me in the person I am. And uh, you know, like you drive, you drive down the road, you'd wave at everybody. Everyone knew you by first name. Everyone <clears throat> was just nice. And then kind of being in a big city like right now, Pensacola is huge for me. I'm so ready to get back to get back to Iowa. <laughs> <you know? laughs> the the scenery that you experienced growing up is that kind of translate to. You oh, yeah. want to join the military longer because this is a pretty good career in your opinion. Based yeah. On, yeah. What is that? Why? I think so. Yeah. It's the it's the drive, and you know, you you really get kind of grateful of your country and grateful of the people around you. So you definitely yeah. want to kind of protect and serve more as much as you can. Yeah. I do like the fact that you highlight the the discipline and and the the morals that you grew up with on the Midwest. I think bigger cities kind of lack a lot of that. Some cultures do have it but you can see this like this new generation we have everybody's literally stuck behind a video game and god forbid you ask for real manual labor you you just get looked at it's like what what do you mean i don't i don't understand so i like the fact that your family and your morals it's like they set you to do a, a discipline tour because believe it or not it's like those are the defining moments that makes you who you are I mean, a hundred percent, you know, I, I really cussed out my parents a lot, you know, on a hot summer day out doing things, but now I look back and it was a valuable lesson learned. Yep. It, it doesn't make sense right there and then, but like years later, you're like, oh, you put two and two together. You're like, now I see it. Exactly. What's your goal, trade? Like, are you planning to do 20 for your Air Force Reserve? Yeah. So my prior time came over. So I yeah. came over six years. Mm-hmm. Um, this September will be three years for me in the Air Force now. So nine, you know, and by the end of this mm-hmm. contract, I have 12 years in, you know, I'd be uh, really dumb not to do eight more years. Yeah. And yeah. my ultimate goal is, yes, I'm going to retire from the fire department and have my pension. And then I will retire from the reserves, the guard and have that dual pension. So I should be sitting. sitting pretty- so you're going to have two trade skills behind you at craft structural maintenance and your wheel mechanic for being in the army. That's very true. That is very true. And that's kind of something why too, I always wanted to keep all those. I, I always want to learn. I always want to keep something in my back of my mind. There's always a plan B. Yeah. I'm from the East coast. I just want to do four years back in 2013 when I was 21 years old and thinking that, yeah, I could just do more with my life. So I don't want to, I don't need Navy tell me what to do all the time. So there I'm just going to do for you and get out. And so many of my friends who come from the Midwest and in the same pay grade at the time, they are re-enlisting for four more years, you know, five more years. And I'm the only that person want to leave after four years. So I was trying to find a commonality or what makes them think that this is all they can get. Again, I don't think you speak for every one of them, Trey, and they're coming from Midwest, but it just have an opportunity to ask or ask now. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way too. Like I said, I can't speak for everybody, but I definitely think I can kind of touch on it. For on-the-job training, both fields, okay? So you're a fireman uh, first, as in your natural profession at home speak about that let us know like what was what was the, the moment that you're like this is the greatest job in the world or let us know about a, a time that you were just like wow this this job is really serious and 
when you get back home, if I'm not mistaken, you should have to accomplish or a certain amount of hours for on-the-job training as aircraft structural maintenance as well. Elaborate on that. Yeah. So when I go back home, we have so much time and we got to go and do on-the-job training. That's something kind of with the Air Force too. When I got out of tech school for the Army and stuff like that, it was just, boom, there you go. You're, you're in the fleet. You're, you're rocking and rolling. You know, I remember day one going to my unit. I worked worked on a Humvee that first day doing a service. And it's like, you know, kind of a little bit of guidance. In the Air Force, it's a little bit different. You have OJT, which is on-the-job training. And you're, they're going to sit there and walk you through some CDCs, which is our career development courses. And you have such amount of time to reach those. We'll come out of tech school and it'll be a three-level. And then that allows us to kind of work on airplanes and kind of do some things. But then they always want you to be a five-level, uh, which allows you to do a lot more, just more skills. So, yeah, I'm going to go back and I'm going to start doing that. But like I said, also kind of my career, my passion is the fire department and being kind of new in the fire department and everything. I got to get back to that. And so my base is very open with that. And on my days off, I'm going to go in and uh, do my on-the-job training. Because like I said, it's super close to me right there. I work a day and I'm off two days and I'm going to get all that stuff knocked out. Knocked out. Um, I think that kind of goes back to just my drive. I'm able to balance it and learn and I'm going to get anything done that's put in front of me. Trey, earlier you touched on you having a both sides of Korea, the fire department, and then of course, Air Force on reserve. And it sounds very flexible that you, they can accommodate your schedule. Has there been any moment that some way, somehow, your management from your government job pissed you off and you would just say, why did I just sign up for four years or five years of this crap? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, I got out of the army in 2019 and I came home and everything. And I was like, you want to get in the Air Force? So I kind of did that really quickly. And it's 2021 and I'm just now in tech school. So I kind of sat there for about two and a half years, Mm -hmm. wondering what's kind of going on and stuff. And I kind of got really frustrated, you know, seeing all these new boots and stuff coming in and going right to school. And I was like, you know what, why, why am I here? You know, why am I, why am I just sitting here when I could be at work or why am I trying to balance my, my work and, and drill and everything. And the Air Force kind of really upset me with that a little bit. But I, once I kind of got down here in school and I was like, you know what, this is what I missed with the service and, uh. And I think I can balance it. And that's what's really neat cool with the with the guard. Everyone has a civilian career. You're either a full-time guard or you have a civilian career. I know a lot of people in the city I work with from the police department to the fire department, there's probably 20 to 25 of us that are in the guard that also have that uh, inside. So it's uh, they're going to be flexible with you. If you work with them, you show them you're not a shitbag soldier or a shitbag airman. And you're there to work and you're going to put in the time. They don't care when you do it as long as you get it done. Uh, so the difference comes in, like the feeling of like getting frustrated goes away when you meet someone who are like done the prior service as well and not just seeing the new boot every day. Is that pretty much? Yeah, 100%. You're always going to connect more with the prior service people. And I think I've noticed that a lot being down here. Like in our class, there's four of us. And I think we're pretty tight knit. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot different than just someone fresh out of basic. Uh, what about you, Jose? Is there any moment? Now, since the time you joined, like, have you like screwed this or you just love it every minute of it? I, I agree with Trey 100%. Like, same thing. I joined in September 2019. And every time I would check in, it's like being attached to student flight, not allowed to associate with them because they're either brand new airmen that just finished basic or they're about to go to basic. And I already have my stripes. So they're like, yeah, you're not allowed to go with them. But just check in with whoever the staffs are or techs are is for your attendance to make sure you get paid. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then from there, it's like, oh, and go to your shop. So I would go to my shop and I have a mass aren't there. And if we had aircraft in the hangar, 
I can watch other people work on it to see what my job would actually be doing. But other than that, it's like I wasn't allowed to touch a single thing. So that first uh, couple drill months, I, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know what I did. Like, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, I thought the Air Force was the best thing in the world. I'm having second thoughts. And then from, I think, like my third or fourth month, I actually started utilizing everything that they have for us. And when they paid for lodging and my meals and my gas and my easy pass, I was like, wow, this, this is phenomenal. <laughs> like, I've never known this stuff like this happens. And then the icing on the cake was pretty much over here, going to tech school, meeting other prior service. We share our stories of the ups and downs we went through and our struggles and how it's funny to us now. And then when you hear people complaining like, oh, I can't believe I have to mop the floor. I never had to do this in my house. Like <laughs> all of us. That's were funny. Just that, just, <laughs> like, really? that just happened. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, let's say a service member, they transitioning out. They're going through the phases like in the civilian world. It's like, hey, man, it's not quite working out. I want to go back in. Would you advise not to do so? Um, that's, I don't know. For me, that's kind of a hard question. I don't think I, I'm never going to tell like a, someone that's not going to join the service. If it's someone brand new or a prior service, hey, don't don't join the service again. I think for anyone that's getting out I and mean, getting in the civilian world that doesn't know what they want to do or know where, mm-hmm. join the guard. You know, we always would joke about the, the guard, you know, the weekend soldiers, the, the they weekend didn't know warriors. anything. And, you know, yeah, the weekend warriors and you just, mm-hmm. and they always didn't know what they're doing. But I've met a lot of people that know their job a lot more than that full-time soldier does. Mm-hmm. And so I say, go for it and get in. The guard is really where it's at. Yeah, pretty much. For me, if anybody asks for advice, especially when it comes to joining up, if it's on the Marine Corps side, I tell everybody uh, 100%, no, don't do it. Because a, a lot of the reasons that they give you, it's like, I try to break it down. Like, listen, I have a, a couple years under my belt as a Marine, and I'm letting you know right now, that's not what we're looking for. If, if you want to be a Marine, it's because you individually want to be a Marine. Joining the Marine Corps because you want to learn a second language is probably not the best route. You know, we have some people that are like, oh, I'm going to go Intel. It's like, I don't know if you understand, Marine Corps is a fighting force. You might not do that much intelligence because you're going to be on the ground. I promise you, you're going to end up fighting somewhere. But if you want to master your craft, I always suggest everybody. Air Force is the place to be, again, because it's, it's vast in educational background, like Mm-hmm. Even even if you want to be a real estate broker, I promise you these people and the command will not fail you. They're going to make sure you get everything that you need before you're out on the field. And that's one thing I love about the uh, Air Force side. It's like you are never, ever, ever, ever set up for failure. Like when they let you go on your own, they know you, you're 100% capable of doing the job. You guys spoke highly about your branches. Is it fair to say that your guys, the leadership, are doing pretty good to supporting your guys' growth since you joined? Yes. yes. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. If there, yeah. if you had bad leadership, you're not going to want to come and do things. So good leadership. And the guard pretty much is not like you stuck there twenty four seven. It's mainly either you are doing with a, a, a full time support or you're doing a weekend drill. Is that pretty much it? That's exactly what it is. Yep. That's what I like. Can you select when you want to do the full-time support? You can, you can like raise your hand or volunteer to get activated for certain assignments. And 
however long that assignment is, that's how long you have to do. Or if you want to do the job like 24 seven and be like an, an active guard there, it's like USA jobs. You have to apply for the job you interview. And it's hilarious because even though you're interviewing, it's your supervisor, but you still mm. have to interview. Your resume has to show up par. You have to answer the same exact questions as everybody else. And just because you know what you're doing and, and you're training it, doesn't necessarily mean that they'll pick you for the full-time slot because again, they look at it as a regular, normal nine to five job. They want the best person there. They mm -hmm. know for a fact, they already have you on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you gotta, you gotta try twice as hard when it comes to getting that, that full-time slot. Cause that's when you're like, I'm the best person for this job and here's all my eggs in the basket. This is the reason why. Yeah, I kind of touch on that too. You know, there's in, in the Air Force and even the Air Guard, there's so many, even maintenance in general, there's so many different TDYs and different deployments you can go on. And a lot of them are volunteer. You can go two months here, you can go two months there and travel and see the world. Or like kind of Jose said, you can go that full-time route, but you, you got to be that best person. So there's so many different opportunities to do something. Mm -hmm. You two have educational background when it comes to a formal education, a higher education. Trey, you have associate trying to get your bachelor in the, in the long run. And Jose, you have a bachelor working on your master. Correct. Why don't you guys um, start out with the commission mindset instead of just going to reserve? For me, and I kind of say this a lot, I don't want to keep harping on it, but like the fire department's my life, you know, and it's that, you know, I kind of just... I'm not saying I'm skating by in the military, but kind of like just I'm comfortable where I'm at. Yeah. And that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I've, I've thought about it. And now that I, I started my master's, that's still a light bulb lit in my head because I, I really do want to pursue my mental health background in order to help out more veterans, because I feel that's one thing the military as a whole and DOD is lacking on. We never really sit down with the service member individually to find out the roots and the calls and the, the nicks and the tweaks to get them better. It's always, I'll scream at you and do this because I'm a higher stripe than you. Some people actually need that, that private room one-on-one -on -one and we need to figure out what's really going on before we send them off anywhere. And that's the, the gap that I want to fill in. So with me, as soon as I'm done with my tech school certification over here, my first year into the program for mental health. I've already talked to my, my CEO about it. And there's, there's a couple programs that he's been hounding me and pushing me on because same thing, realistically, since I already have my bachelor's, I can go and become an officer already, but I don't want to step in and get commissioned and just do admin stuff or just learn a job field that I'm really not interested in or, or passionate about. I would rather step into my medical field as that officer and go from there. So that way, everything that I'm doing, my mind is like zero in focus on it because I know I'm helping that service member. The reason I asked this question, there's a background to that. Jose and I, we serve in a veteran association back in undergrad. And one thing that kind of pissed me off is that when I see flyers on army recruiter, inside the clubhouse and pissed me off particularly is that, hey, we supposed to like forward progress as an individual. You separate from the service, you want to make a better life for yourself. And hence you should look for a better opportunity. Now, being in a lounge, many of us been through those bullshit. Many of us been through the service. Okay, we've done that. And then seeing the flyer in the lounge is kind of 
like ironic is that whoever put this here why are you encouraging us to step back now again i probably have the wrong idea this is where you i want you guys to educate me like so basically it's not that they they're pulling us back or it, it could be just another opportunity to change your career by rejoining in the air national guard or army national guard wherever guard you want to join for as a stepping stone is it fair to say i kind of agree on that i don't know what this analogy made me think of and everything about that of you know going to an aa meeting and there's a bottle of beer you know it's, it's gonna entice you. you know why we we're all veterans we're all going to these things because we all suffer for some from something where we all want that com- camaraderie i would much rather go sit down and a cup of coffee with mm-hmm. a veteran than uh just mow off the street so that's what we go with those things that we look for we don't we don't want to go and um Hear about, oh, yeah, you know, you can come be this 11 Bravo, you know, you can be an infantryman, you can come do all this, and you're gonna be a whore. Mm-hmm. No, we, we've done our time, we've done our time, we've seen that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really think the people that, that look and do other options, it's because we love serving our country, and we love what we do, and we want to continue that, and we know all the benefits that are available to us. Because I think we're the, not educated, but I think we have done our research. Yeah, I kind of had the same pet peeve as as you did when we would have those flyers there and here's what i found very interesting it was always the main branches that were hurting and needed people and not once have i ever seen the coast guard or the air force drop off flyers and then doing my own personal research the coast guard and the air force again, has more educational programs. Like once you're in school, there's programs you can sign up in and let them know that you're in pursuit of your degree. And it's like, it's like OCS, but they split it in half for you. So during your summertime, when you get your first summer break, you do like six weeks training to be an officer. And then as soon as you're done with those six weeks, you go back to school. And the most you ever have is maybe like a uniform inspection that you have to report to somebody because you're technically you're still in but they're more uh, focused on you obtaining your degree. And then after you get your degree, you do your last six weeks of training for your commission. And then after that, you get commissioned and you go to your unit. And from there, you you write out whatever job you pick, but they actually made it more smoother because if you think about it, you have a gap in, in training. So most people, they usually go straight and it's like, oh my God, this place is so stressful. Six weeks is like, it's, it's pretty much one, two, three. Air Force active duty, we talk about enlisting into it. It's pretty selective. Is the GAR the same way? Yes. I, I think so too. It follows all the same standards and all the same curriculum. So yeah, I think it's the same. Mm. Like that's, that's what happened with me. Like I had to get, I had to get waivers for so many things. And it, it, to me, it just made no sense because of my prior service in the Marine Corps, I couldn't comprehend. It's like, why am I getting hit for certain things that happen in service? Like you can't hold it against me because I happened in service and I was still able to perform my job to the max. And now you're telling me I'm not. And that's, that's just MEPS. Um, for the guard, for me, Everything after MAPS, it was like, oh, they said this at MAPS and this at MAPS. Here's a waiver, sign this. Here's another waiver, sign that. And it was like, oh, wow. If I never educated myself, I don't think I would be where I'm at right now. Before we end this podcast, give you a, a scenario. Should you think this veteran should join? Well, this veteran in our clubhouse, he wasn't doing particularly well in school. And he was an infantryman in army. So he got out and not doing too well in school, not doing too well with his own life and he want to go back in 
to the army. My initial uh, response was, you shouldn't do that. I think he's avoiding the real life. He want to go back in because there are at least some form of guarantee. What do you think about those individuals that think about, hey, I want to go back in because outside world is not working out for me? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to active duty, any branch. People think, oh yeah, I'm going to join the military and I'm going to, I'm going to get in and the outside world doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. no, we're, we're still held to UCMJ and then we're still held to the criminal stuff. If you go somewhere and uh, you hook up with a girl and she ends up having a kid, that kid's mm-hmm. still there. You get, the military doesn't hide it from you. I feel like there's so much better options on civilian side kind of to, to help you with that. Talk to someone, help someone, and you know you actually get the best of both worlds. I feel like me and Jose both have the best of both worlds with the civilian side and the military side. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. Now, if the veteran do decide to go to the guard, but they have disability, is that like depending on what type of disability the Air Force will allow in and depending on what job you are going for, they will still take you in? Yeah, I mean, every job in the Air Force, they're calling AFFC. It has certain requirements from your ASVAB score to being colorblind to, you know, you got to be dexterity. And they think you have to meet that job field. I feel like there's, if there's a will, there's a way, and there's, there's, there's a job for everybody. There's, there's something out there for everybody. Yeah, uh, I don't think the disability helps or hinders you. There's forms that you do have to sign that it's acknowledging that you have it. And all it is, is that worst case scenario that we start World War Three and the federal government says, sorry, I have to activate you to active duty. But that's highly unlikely. Don't jinx, I'm not going with right now. <laughs> <laughs> with all our guests that we have, we like to lead off the guests with what advice would you want to give a service member listening to your podcast today follow your dreams you know there's the military has so many different options out there for you and if you if you really want to make a career out of it you can and i was lucky enough to do my time get out and, and see what i want in the civilian career and so i'm just gonna just follow your dreams and everything's gonna fall into place for you thank you so much trey appreciate your advice appreciate your insight and with that that is our episode and if you want to contact us please feel free to hit us up in the link and without further ado Fall out.